Well, um, it's a joy to be with you this morning, and um, we are nearly there, aren't we? We are nearly there. You can uh, almost taste the turkey, and um, this morning is an opportunity just to breathe in, just to breathe in. Hey, Huck. And um, it's uh, such, as Amy said, such a hectic season. And it's an opportunity to breathe in. And you know what I was thinking as I was coming towards this sermon is, you know, the, the season itself is so busy, so sort of crazy, that you, um, you can sort of miss really what's going on. And so you, I went into Sainsbury's yesterday, and people are getting angry, right? People are getting angry. They keep having to come onto the loudspeaker and say, we're doing the best we can. We've got all the ch- checkouts for, you know, and I'm like these poor people who work in the shop. And I'm looking around thinking, take a look at yourselves, people. This is Christmas, the season of goodwill, right? And everybody's doing Christmas and yet missing what Christmas sort of is. And that's what's happening. Now, I want you to do something for me. You ready to do something for me? I'm going to ask you all to uh, hum. Can you all hum? Let's just have one practice. Ready? One, two, three, go. Going to need to be a bit louder than that. Can you hum a little bit louder? Okay. Herb, are we good? We good? Okay, keep humming, go for it. Okay, keep humming, hum, 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 hum loud, 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 loud. Okay, okay, keep humming. Okay, just come, come down off the hum. Okay, just listen to the music for a second. Just breathe in for a second. Herb, just keep that playing. Just lower it down a little bit. We, um... You know, you're sort of like going through the season, going through Christmas, and there's so much going on. It's so crazy. And um, over the last sort of four weeks, we've been in this series of preparing the way, getting ready for Christmas. Keep that music going, Adam. Let's keep going. And um, what happens is that, as I say, sort of everything's so busy is that we miss what's going on. And what we've been trying to do in this series, what Advent is really all about is getting ready for what God is doing. And so I was trying to think, like, how do we sort of sum up, um, sum up the story of what God is doing? And because we only hear it in snippets, right? The music is sort of there all the time, but we only hear it in little snippets because there's so many other noises going on. There's sort of shopping to be done and kids running around and all that kind of stuff. And we only hear it in little snippets. But I, as I was thinking back over this four weeks, there is a song that has been being played and we're trying to be sort of talk to you about it from up the front. And we've seen it in our Advent services. We've seen it in our carols. We saw it last week with the kids in the nativity. And we saw it happening. And I was trying to think, how do you summarise a song like that? How do you summarise that tune which God, I think, has been singing over us? And the word I came up with was faithfulness. Faithfulness. And I think in this Christmas season, what we see is this song of faithfulness. Of faithfulness. And it's this beautiful, beautiful song which God is singing over us, singing over his church, singing over the world. This song of faithfulness that he is good, that he is life, that he is love. And we just hear sort of little snippets of it again and again and again. And if we're not careful, we, we miss it so quickly. We miss it so easily. There's, so, there's such a hum. 
There's such a hum going on. And so what I want to talk about this morning is that song of faithfulness. That God has been singing this song of faithfulness since the beginning of time. That he's singing it now and that he will sing it for all eternity. And what Christmas is about is about this song of faithfulness. It's about God singing this song. That's what we see when we look at this baby in the manger. But it's also about something else. It's about God's faithfulness. But it's also about the faith of everyday ordinary people like you and me. It's about the faith of this 14-year-old girl, Mary, Johnny and Amy talked about a few weeks ago. It's about the faith of these shepherds living out in the fields. It's about the faith of these wise men who chase across the desert to follow this star. It's about the faith of Simeon and Anna. That's what we're looking at today. The faith of ordinary people. So on the one hand, it's about God's faithfulness, this movement of God, if you like, into our world. This God being, as Johnny said earlier, being all in. That's what the story is all about, right? That's the message of Christmas. God is all in. So it's about God's faithfulness, but it's also about a human response. Or perhaps I can put it like this. God is singing a song of faithfulness. And what faith looks like is choosing to tune into the song. What faith looks like is choosing to listen to that song above the hum, above the busyness, above everything that life throws at us. It's choosing to listen to that song. That's where we're going to go today. So it's about faith this morning. Is that all right? God's faithfulness, our faith in that faithfulness. Now we've jumped ahead a little bit. Simeon and Anna. Um, And they're very old, Simeon and Anna. Now I'm wary of saying they're very old because uh, the students have gone... um, but some of you I hear in this congregation are over the age of 35. Is that true? I believe that's true. So I'm wary of sort of saying very old, but they're very, very old. And um, Jesus is eight days old at this point. Don't worry if you feel you've sort of gone asleep and missed Christmas and you've woken up and Jesus all of a sudden is eight days old. These are still our Christmas readings, right? But Jesus, this baby boy that's been born in a stable, we're going to celebrate in a few days, is eight days old and he's brought to the temple and Simeon and Anna see him. And the things that we know about Simeon and Anna, these uh, older, uh, this man and this woman, one thing we know about them is they're, they're waiting. They're in this, this process of waiting, of longing for something to be. And uh, we can sort of find out a little bit about that. Simeon, verse 25, 26. If you've got your Bibles open, we're in Luke 2. Verse 25, 26, we're told. Simeon, it says, was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And that he'd be promised that he wouldn't die until he'd seen, this is the language, the Lord's Christ or the Messiah. Likewise, and again, Anna, now she's waiting, verse 38, for the redemption of Jerusalem. So what is this consolation of Israel? What is this redemption of Jerusalem? Well, both phrases, work with me here, both phrases are well-known Jewish phrases. They're sort of like code words for essentially God's kingdom breaking in. Essentially, God showing up, right? The word basically means they were waiting for God to do something, to be all that he promised that he would be. Essentially, they were waiting for God to be faithful, for God to be faithful. Now, I don't know if you, um, you can think of what that word might mean for you, that word faithful. You might think of, I don't know, a loyal dog or a companion or something. Um, you might think of a spouse or a friend. But I looked up what that word faithful means. And uh, this is what one of the definitions had. I think we can get it up on the screen. 
Faithfulness, it says, is the concept of unfailingly remaining loyal to someone or something and putting that loyalty into consistent practice regardless of circumstances. It may be exhibited by a husband or a wife who in a sexually exclusive marriage does not engage in sexual relationships outside of that marriage. It can also mean keeping to one's promises no matter the circumstances. Literally, it's the state of being full of faith in the sense of steady devotion to a person, a thing, or a concept. Now listen, before we move on to what it looks like for us to be faithful, let's talk about God's faithfulness for a second. This is what Simeon and Anna were waiting for. They believed God to be faithful. They believed that from the beginning of time, as I say, God had been singing this song of faithfulness over creation. I am faithful. I am unfailingly loyal, devoted, keeping to my promises, no matter what the circumstances. God is singing that he will not let go. He will not let go of the world that he's made. He will not let you go. He will not let I go, me go. He will not let Feltham go. He will not let Nottingham go. God is unfailingly loyal. That's what Simeon and Anna were waiting for. That God would be who he said he would be. He said he would put the world to rights. He said he would come and do for Israel what Israel had been hoping for. And so they were waiting for him to do exactly that. And they had committed their lives to it. And so Simeon and I believe really simply that if God was faithful, then he hadn't given up. In fact, they read the scriptures, these prophets, and some of us have been doing these readings through Advent about that God spoke in the Old Testament before Jesus, long before Jesus, about something that was to be promised, something that would come to pass, this baby being born. They read those scriptures, they knew those scriptures, they were in their DNA. Anna and Simeon studied them daily, they were in their blood, and they really believed that it was to be. I will come again, God is saying. I will finish what I started. No matter how bad it gets, how grim, how dark, my light will come. I will send my servant. I will send the anointed, the chosen, the Christ. That's why it's called Christmas, by the way. Uh, That's why we don't call it Jesus' birthday. It's why we call it Christmas. Christ Mass. They believed that the anointed one, the Messiah, the one God talked about long ago would come and put everything to right. God's king come to restore as George spoke about last Sunday night so powerfully, they believed that God was to be with them. Emmanuel, God with us. That's what they were hoping for. That's what they were longing for. And so the song of God's faithfulness is this song of promise, of hope. God is good. He is for us. He is kind. He is loyal. God, you said you would act. So please, please come. And then this thing that they'd given their whole lives for, Anna, in the temple, her husband dies and she has a decision to make. She has a decision to make. How do I live my life from this point on? And we're told that she was the age of 84. We think actually the translation might better be is that it was 84 years after her husband died. She'd been praying, fasting for 84 years. Even if it's not 84, let's say 60. What's the difference, right? 60 years, when you've done 60 years, you may as well do 84, right? On your knees, praying, and fasting. That's how dedicated she was to this. Simeon, his whole life was defined by this reality. God had said, you will not die until you see the baby. So he's sort of living for this thing to happen. And then, this day, Jesus is eight days old. He's brought into the temple. Let's just not lose the moment for a second, right? Let's just tell the story again. For years and years, Simeon, Anna, they've been listening to this song of God's faithfulness the song they knew so well. They grew up listening to it. They knew it as kids. They knew the beat, the rhythm. 
They knew when it drops and when the guitar solo kicks in and they spent their whole lives listening to that song. The song was so sweet, so wonderful, that they gave everything to it, to hearing it, to listening to it. But you know, the passing of time comes, doesn't it? You know, it gets to sort of mid-February and wham, sort of fades out and Raya Carey goes back in the box and the song sort of disappears. The song gets quieter. Other tunes rise up. And so the song gets fainter. Lots of people say to them, there was never a song. There is no song. There was never such a song. This song of God's faithfulness, we don't know what you're talking about. The song to many had gone. But Simeon and Anna knew. They knew it was there. They knew the song had been there. They'd felt it. And now every now and again, they would catch bits of it. And it would come flooding back to them. This song was everything. And so they dedicated themselves to it, to hearing it. They did everything in their power to protect it in their minds and their hearts. And then one day, one day, this baby boy shows up in the temple. Simeon, who's there because he sensed that it was the right thing to do that day, looks up and he happens to catch a glimpse of the family across the room, in between the bustle of the crowds. This young mom and her man, no different to the dozens of other families there that day, but in her arms, he's drawn, his eyes are drawn suddenly to this baby, eight days old, barely opening his eyes, held by his mum. And Simeon's heart just begins to beat a little faster. And then this song, the first few bars come into his mind out of nowhere. He looks harder. His eyes open a bit wider. The song is growing louder in his head. His heart is now racing fast. His heart now is on fire. The song floods back into his mind through his body. The full ensemble now. Every riff, every rise and fall, it's all he can hear, all he can feel. The song floods him. He's old, but he's never been so alive. Anna and Simeon have been waiting for so long, longing, and here it is. Can you imagine that feeling? Imagine the feeling of holding this Christ in your arms. The thing that they knew to be true, that they'd given their whole <laughs> lives for, God himself in human form, the anointed one had come. And so Christmas is this climactic moment in the song of God's faithfulness, the moment that the orchestra drops in. Right? God is faithful after all. After all that, he is faithful. He is trustworthy. He wants to be with us. God is saying, I'm all in. I'm all in. Christmas, this festival of the Christ, means that God is unfailingly loyal. I love that, unfailingly loyal. That he will pursue us. I... Um, listen to a podcast called This American Life and it's just a podcast that sort of tells stories, everyday stories. And uh, the other week I was listening to this um, podcast and it told the story about an Israeli mother and I told a few of you this story at Bible and Breakfast every Thursday, 7am, a few weeks ago, 8am. <laughs> and uh, it tells the story of this Israeli mother. Now, um, in the, I didn't realise this, but in the Israeli army, if you serve in the Israeli army and everybody has to do their service, uh, you're allowed to come back home every three months. You sort of sent away and then you come back home in three months. At this point, this mother's son had been sent to Lebanon. Israel were fighting uh, Lebanon and so they'd been f fighting in Lebanon. So they, he'd been sent away and he should have come home after three months and he didn't come home. And she knew that he was still alive. She had contact with him, but he wasn't being allowed to come home. And this mother was furious, right? Her son wasn't allowed to come home. And so this little Israeli mother, she rings up the uh, Israeli military. And obviously she gets through to some sort of like intern or something far down the chain. 
And uh, she basically says, I want to talk to the head of the Israeli army. And they say, well, obviously that's ridiculous. You can't, can't do that. And she pursued in this conversation. She didn't stop. She kept talking, kept talking, kept talking. And what she would do is she would wait until the um, person on the other line, on the end of the line, made a mistake or was rude or got angry. And then she would say, right, that's it. Let me talk to your superior. <laughs> and she did this, and they would obviously put her onto their superior. And then she did the same thing again with them. And they'd, she'd wait until they got angry, and then she'd say, right, you've been out of line now. Let me talk to your superior. And she did this until she got all the way up. This is not a joke. She did it for days and days and days until she got all the way up the line to a guy called Raphael Atan. And Raphael Atan is a sort of Israeli military hero, a sort of a war veteran, great hero, head of high up in the army. She got on the phone to him. And she said, listen, my son has not been sent home after three months fighting. Where is he? And Raphael Atan said, you know, I'm just very sorry. There's you know, nothing we can do. And she says, and that's not good enough. I need you to send him home. And he says, do you know who it is you're talking to? And she says, yes, I'm, I know who you're talking to, uh, who I'm talking to. She said, let me tell you, unless you send my, home, my son home now, there will be trouble. And he says to her, are you threatening me? And she says, yes, I am threatening you. <laughs> she says, you know, I haven't got time. You're a busy man. We haven't got time to beat around the bush. I'm being direct. I am threatening you. I need my son home now. And he said, listen, you'll know that I'm a war hero. She says, yes. She says, you'll know then that, you know, I've fought many battles and I'm not sort of, ten I don't tend to get afraid very easily by threats. And she said, yeah, I know you fought wars. I know you fought in battles. But let me tell you, you have never faced an 85-year-old Holocaust survivor, five foot tall, weighing 80 pounds. You might have faced some great battles, but you've never faced me. And uh, Raphael Atan says, okay, uh, I you know, don't know what to make of it. And she says, let me tell you this. When you leave your job, you're going to do two things. You're either going to be a politician or you will go into public service. She says, either way, at every news conference you give, every press conference, I'm going to be sat in the front row. <laughs> and I'm going to make clear to everybody what has happened this day. Raphael Tan, he's not impressed, hangs up the phone. Next day, her son is put on a helicopter, <laughs> flown back home. He comes home, he has a shower, she cooks him a meal, gets back on the helicopter and goes... I want us to see this morning the pursuit of God, right? This baby in the manger isn't sort of the start of something. It's like that God has been pursuing the whole time. God will not let go. God is pursuing his, his faith. Faithfulness is pursuit. Faithfulness is that God is after us. And what Anna and Simeon are waiting for is that for God to show up, for God to do what he said he would do, to pursue in that same way. And God, you know, he's not just on the end of a phone call. You know, he's not just on the end of a line. God gets in amongst the mess. That's what we believe, don't we, in this birth of this baby boy, in the incarnation, that God taking on flesh. He throws himself into the care of a refugee couple, 14-year-old girl. So vulnerable, so helpless. God is willing to do that, as Johnny said this morning. He said it so well. God is, throws himself all in, does not hold back, single-mindedly pursuit of a course of action, everything that it costs him. That's the song of God's faithfulness. And that's a good song, right? That is a good song to be hearing. That song is about, you know, God is fully in love with you, fully in love with the world. That's a good song. That song is about justice and healing and mercy and truth. And it's a big picture, you know. It's a big song. I want to say that this morning. It's a big song. It's about God taking on flesh and therefore saying yes to our very fleshiness, to our very humanness, to our earthiness. That's what the, the sort of doctrine of the incarnation is about. God says, God affirms creation 
God affirms the joy, the fun that you feel, even if we don't label it Christian. All of that joy you will experience on Christmas Day, and listen, I know that's not everybody's reality, but all of the joy that you will experience on Christmas Day and everybody in the city will experience on Christmas Day, God affirms all that. Is there life? Is there hope? Is there joy? Is there peace? God says, yes, I'm for that. I'm for whatever is good, whatever is lovely, whatever is true. I am for pigs in blankets, <laughs> as long as they've been sourced ethically. And I want to say that. God is for whatever is good. So it's a big picture, but it's also deeply, deeply personal. It is about politics. It is about, if God has taken on flesh, then politics needs to look different. It, Brexit, it defines that. It defines our relationships with other countries. It's about the big stuff, but it's also deeply, deeply personal. And so when we go out onto the streets, as we do each week, we go out onto the streets and we're basically, all we're, we're saying to people is, you know, there's this song of God's faithfulness, which is being sung over your life. And because the hum of your life might be so loud, you're just not hearing it. And all we're here to do is just to point it out to you. We're just here to point out to you that God has been faithful all this time. You know all that joy you feel, that wherever there's life, no matter how broken you are, where there is life, God is in that. And he wants to do that every day for you. So it's a big picture, but it's also deeply personal. It's also very, very present. Simeon and Anna are kind of like models of what it is to be a Christian. We are all, each of us, who follow Christ in this situation of waiting, aren't we? You know, Jesus has come. He died on a cross. He rose from the dead. And we believe that he will come again. And so we're in this sort of intermediate time. We're waiting for him to come. So like Simeon and Anna, we're waiting. You know, the song that God sung was not just a song for back then. It's a song that he's singing today, now. God is just as present now as he was back then just as he was with Mary and Simeon and Anna, so he is today with us. And he will come again. The song was sung then, it's being sung now, and it will be sung for all eternity. And so like Simeon and Anna, we're waiting. It's a big picture, it's a personal picture, and it's a very, very present reality for this. God's song of faithfulness is being sung. Can you hear it? Can you hear it? Now I said that today was about two sorts of faith. It was about God's faith. But it's also about our faith, about our faith. There's um, a hymn that I um, loved growing up. That's one of the more pretentious things I've ever said. There was a hymn I loved when I was growing up. And uh, we sung it every Christmas. It was a carol. And it it came upon a midnight clear. And uh, I never sort of quite understood what really it was about. But I felt as I've been preparing this sermon to look back again at that. And really felt drawn to that hymn. And if you get a chance to look at it, I'd encourage you to do so. Because what the hymn is about is about this song. It talks about the angels singing a song. It says, you know, that that for all eternity, there's been this song being sung over creation. God's song of faithfulness. It's just there constantly. But then it talks about how this song is not heard by everybody. It's not received. And there's this one verse that talks about wars. talks about the sort of violence of mankind. And it says, because, you know, man is so so desiring to be dominant and to um to control the other and to hurt the other that it ceases to listen to the song right the song of love which is being sung and uh it just says that it says this wonderful lines just at the end of that song it says oh hush oh hush you men of strife and hear the angels sing i love that line you know just just stop for a minute just shh. if only you could just hush for a second if you could just put your guns down for a second 
Right, if you could just put your comparison down for a second, your power games down, your gossip down, if you could just put that down just for one second and just shh, just listen, and you would hear the angels sing. You would see what this baby boy has come to do. You would hear the song again of God's faithfulness. What I want to say this morning is that God's, is that faith looks like tuning into God's song of faithfulness. Above all the other songs that are being sung over your life right now, all the, other, all the other conversations, all of the other worries and anxieties, everything else that's being sung over you right now by other people and from within, there is this song of faithfulness which is being sung and faith is simply tuning in, choosing to tune in to that reality. That's what Anna and Simeon did. That's what Anna and Simeon did. They tuned in to that song and it looks different for every person. And what we've been doing over the last four weeks is looking at these different characters. Johnny and Amy talked about Mary Her tuning in looked very particular. Um, She said yes to God's call on her life. This vulnerable 14-year-old girl said yes to it under extraordinary circumstances. Joseph said yes to this pregnant woman at great cost to his social standing, to his religious standing, basically at great cost to his life. He said yes to this woman. That's what his tuning in looked like. It was very, very hard for him. You know, there were other songs being sung over his life right now at that point. Many other songs being sung over his life. And what he chooses to do is to trust the song that God gave him. The wise men, the same. You know, they, they, all they had was a star to go on. And maybe a few conversations, a, a bit of something going on inside them, but they, cho- they chose to tune in. And here's the thing about faith. Not everyone was doing it. Not everyone was doing it. And so there's this thing I think that happens with the Christmas story, which is that if you're like me, you sort of look at these stories and you think... You know, of course, faith was easy then. It was easy to tune into God's truth, right? Why was it easy? Because there were angels, okay? And there's lights in the sky, and there's wise men suddenly appearing with gifts. You know, it couldn't have been any more extraordinary. But what I've I've been doing, as I've been listening to these stories again, these stories of the nativity, is just listening again, actually how hard faith was for these people that it was no different actually to the faith that you and I are called to at the moment. It's messier than that, right? Mary receives this vision from the angel. We then hear nothing else. She has to go and talk to Joseph nine months of silence. Nine months of silence. The next sign is from her cousin. A baby kicks in her cousin's womb. That's it. It's real and it's profound, but it's not like the sort of skies were alight. Did that really happen? You can imagine Mary asking. Was that real, that angel visit? The wise men, a star. But listen, you hear of anyone else following the star. Not everybody. It was, if it was that obvious, there would have been hundreds of wise men. Our nativities would be full of wise men. Kids with crowns everywhere, right? Because everybody came. If it was that obvious. But it's not. There were a few with a few gifts. They had faith. They tuned in to the story. You can't possibly tell me that faith back then was easy Simeon gets a prompting from the spirit it's hardly clear cut he's close to death just an inner sense and Anna 85 years old she's 85 84 praying and fasting who knows what sort of signs she received day to day along the way but every day getting up going in choosing to tune in and so what we see in these stories of the first Christmas is the reality of faith how do we respond to God's song of faith We see it in these stories in all of its difficulty, its messiness, its complexity, its change. We see it in the silence, trusting even in the dark. 
having an incredible experience and then hearing nothing. A life-changing encounter and then back to the mundanity of every life. It's encountering God in a profound way and then getting home to find that, you know, one of the kids has like trodden banana into the carpet. It's having a clear promise from God and then it's seeming like every single event after that point is pointing in exactly the opposite direction. It's like feeling so close to God and then getting that call from the doctor. That's the reality of faith. That's what it is to be a human being in God's world. It's no different now to what it was back then. And so I just want to unlock really, really quickly what it might look like for us to have faith from these two, from Anna and Simeon. What it looks like to tune into God's song. We are almost there. And today is just a chance to breathe in again, just to retune, to tune in again to God's song. Firstly, faith looks like expectancy. It looks like expectancy. Anna and Simeon expected God. And Nicky Gumbel, when he came and spoke to us a few months ago now, he said that for him, the best way of explaining faith is just to talk about expectancy. You know, when we come on a Sunday, are we expecting that something's going to, that God's going to do something? Do we think that he will? That's what faith looks like. Simeon, we're told, was waiting, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And that word waiting is actually better translated expectant. Simeon was expectant for the consolation of Israel. And he chose to act on that expectancy. Do we expect God? Do we expect God even this season? Do we expect this Christmas to be like every other Christmas? Or could God do something? Could God do something even in you today? Faith looks like expectancy. Tuning into God looks like expectancy. Second, and following on, faith is active in pursuing. That word waiting is so important to the Christmas story, right? We've been in a season of Advent, which is all about waiting. And there's two forms of waiting for me. There's active and there's passive waiting. Now, passive waiting is sort of what I describe as the Amazon waiting, the Amazon Prime of waiting. You kind of, you, you know, you think of something you need to get, you get it up on your phone, on the app, you swipe to buy now, done. Phone goes back in the pocket. You don't think about it again, right? It's just sort of, you're, you're waiting, you know, it's not there yet, but you sort of, you just get on back, phone in your pocket, get back on with what you're doing. That's the Amazon sort of waiting. A few days later, it shows up. Anna and Simeon, though, are active in waiting. They're pursuing something. They're expectant for something. They seek it out. Now, it's not sort of earning. It's not striving, but it is seeking. It's the sort of the, the waiting of the mother on the phone, right? I know my son will come home eventually, but I'm not satisfied until it happens. That sort of waiting. That's what this tuning into God's reality looks like for Anna and for Simeon. Dedicated. She has a decision to make, Anna, and she decides, I'm going to go every day and I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait for God to do what he said he would do because that's the story I've chosen to live in. That's what waiting looks like. That's what faith looks like. Secondly, uh, third, faith requires listening hard. Requires listening hard. God is singing this song and there is this hum, isn't there? There is this hum. And it's really, really hard to tune in to God's song that he's singing over us, this song of faithfulness. God has made these promises anytime Simeon and Anna. Anytime God is going to show up. But it's really, really hard to tune in. 
All around them were louder songs. All around them were songs that were saying, you know, Babylon has invaded, Assyria has invaded, Rome has invaded. This isn't going to happen. And they chose to listen hard. The waiting is hard. But I sort of want to say to you today as I was praying about this, you know, 84 years, 84 years Anna was there tuning into this song. And I sort of wanted to say this morning, don't stop. Don't stop. Don't give up now. Don't give up now. You're, that promise that God gave you, you know, that experience of God's faithfulness that you experienced whenever, whenever it was. And I just feel for some of you this year might have been a, I know in fact that this year for you has been a pretty brutal year. Really tough year. And as we sort of come to the end of it, you're looking back and you think, this has been a really, really tough year for all sorts of reasons. And I don't know where you are on the sort of faith thing. I don't know where you are in terms of hearing that song, whether you're hearing that song like so clearly or whether at the moment it's just a bit fuzzy and a bit unclear. But I just want to say to you, don't give up now. Don't give up now. 84 years praying and fasting. What if she'd got to 83 years? 83 years and said, I've seen nothing. I've seen nothing. God has not showed up for 83 years and she stops. And she's not in the temple when the baby Jesus arrives. There is for us, each of us, Paul says, a moment where we will see Christ face to face. Just as Anna and Simeon held, held this baby Jesus in their arms, so we will see Jesus face to face and everything will be changed for us. Everything will be changed. Any sacrifice we've made, anything we've given up, any time we've dedicated to this will not count at all. This will compare to nothing else, this moment of seeing Jesus face to face. And I just want to say to you, don't stop. Don't stop. What do you need to do to tune in to God's voice this coming year? Just to hold on, maybe. Maybe you're holding on by your fingernails. Don't stop now. I sometimes need to remind myself that God is singing this song the whole time, literally every second, and I just don't hear it. I just don't hear it. He's working in me, in my family, in the church, in the city. And I miss it. You know, I miss it because there's so much else going on. I'm busy, I'm rushed, whatever. Oh, hush the noise, you men, you women, and hear the angels sing. God is singing this song of faithfulness over his church, over his city. And our call is just to hear it again, to tune in to that song. What disciplines, what boundaries do we, do I need to put into place? Not just to hear it, but to tune in, to really allow that song to be part of us in a minute we're going to go into communion we're going to go into this Christ mass mass this celebration of the bread and the wine and uh, we're doing that for a couple of reasons the church has gone into communion as a response at Christmas time for a few things one is just to say you know what better way to celebrate God taking on flesh than to hold bread in our hands and taste wine in our mouth it's very sort of physical experience to remember again that God has said yes to our physicality that's the first reason but the second reason is because this baby boy grows up this baby boy grows up and the song of God's faithfulness takes Jesus to the cross because you know when faithfulness like this comes into the world it doesn't end well and Simeon knows it which is why he tells Anna that day he says you know this is good news this baby but let me tell you the sword is going to pierce your heart this baby boy is going to bring trouble trouble will come upon him because innocence like this, joy like this, life like this can't come into the world as we know it and not suffer pain. So Simeon talks about this 
death which is to come for Jesus. And so one of the reasons that we celebrate communion is just to remember again, remember again that God came into the world and that he grew up and that his path to bring his song, to sing his song again over creation was a path that led him to suffering. So we're going to remember today um, Jesus' death for us. If you were ever in any doubt about the extent to which God is in, the extent to which God is all in, look at the crib and then take your eyes to the cross. That's the extent to which God is all in. That's how far he was willing to go, not just to take on flesh, but to enter into our brokenness, into our pain. That's how single-minded God was. That's how... (laughs) how much he desires for each of us to know that song of faithfulness, to hear it again. I want to invite Chris up.